Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. Today I want to talk with you about a familiar scripture, Matthew 25, the judgment of the nations when the Son of Man, Jesus, separates the sheep from the goats. This is a scripture that has commonly been used to mobilize people, to reach out to people on the margins, especially welcoming foreigners, you know, strangers, aliens, and also visiting prisoners and working with the poor. And I think this scripture has been largely misread. There are so many scriptures throughout the Bible that talk about God's care for the poor and the oppressed. But this one in particular, I believe, is really speaking about the importance of welcoming emissaries of the kingdom, people that come as spokespersons who are sent, who are disciples of Jesus. And because we are so oriented towards sort of having the, you know, the message and having the means, the Western church, our tendency is to, is to just assume that this scripture is about how we're to, you know, how to host people, how we're to welcome people, um, because we see ourselves more as hosts than we do as guests. But the primary orientation of the missionary movement in the Gospel of Matthew and throughout the Gospels is that followers of Jesus are guests. We go out in vulnerability. We go out in weakness. And so really this scripture is about the judgment of those that do not receive, those who, who carry the name of Jesus, who go out as vulnerable witnesses. Um, or on the other hand, the, the sheep would be those that are the ones that welcome the spokespersons, you know, the missionaries, the workers of, uh, of the kingdom. So let's look at this scripture, Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Okay, so first of all, the word nations. Typically, this is often read as nation states, but the word ethnos, the plural of it is, um, you know, that often translated in some of the old versions, uh, like the King James, is Gentiles, which are non-Jews. And so really we're talking about the judgment of, of non-Jewish people and not of nation states. And um, so the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I mean, this is beautiful because this is a very inclusive text welcoming people who are non-Jews to inherit, to, to benefit from their inheritance their part in the inheritance of the kingdom. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to eat? Drink. And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even least of them, you did it to me. Okay, so 
um, in contrast to the those that um, that are that are welcomed to receive their inheritance because they unknowingly received Jesus himself, you know, through welcoming the stranger and visiting the prisoner and clothing the naked and giving drink to the thirsty and so on and so forth. Um, verse 41, Jesus continues, Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not bite me in. Naked, and you, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So often this scripture has been used to mobilize people uh, out of fear of, of being um, really damned and excluded from their inheritance. So that sort of mobilization to minister to the prisoners, to the poor, to the hungry, you know, to those that are sick, um, so that we can save ourselves, you know, so that we can be chosen to be saved. Um, that kind of mobilization is a really destructive mobilization um, when you're working, you know, with people who are poor and marginalized. So often the haves, so to speak, those that are, you know, that are in the know about the good news or that claim to be, you know, the those that are believers, you know, when we read this and we think, okay, well, wow, am I doing enough for the poor? Am I am I participating as a volunteer in the homeless shelter? Am I am I going out uh, and visiting people in prison? And um, this kind of a scripture would strike terror into people who would suddenly, you know, be be realizing, wow, I'm 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 super lacking in social ministry. And uh, people like Mother Teresa, her writings on this text are are terrifying. You know, um, is that a good motivation for those that work with the poor and, and to, to just be doing it to save ourselves? I don't think so. And uh, But if we look closely at the language of this text, I think there's, um, there's a whole other way of reading this that I think we need to look, consider. Like, for instance, Jesus himself, right here, when he says um, in verse 39 um, or verse 40, the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Who are the brothers of Jesus? So if we look at just throughout the Gospel of Matthew, let's just turn to Matthew 12, 18 and following, or excuse me, 46 and following, Jesus is, um, he was still speaking to the crowds, and behold, his mother and his brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? 
and stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, that one is my brother and sister and mother. So here Jesus is defining his disciples as his brothers and sisters and mother. And, um, and we see this also in other scriptures like Matthew 23, verse 8, you know, where Jesus is, uh, you know, he's describing, you know, the importance of not calling anyone a teacher. He says, um, you know, that he criticizes the Pharisees for loving the places of honor and in the banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings and being called rabbi by people. He says, um, verse 8, but do not be called rabbi for one is your teacher and you are all brothers. So he's saying that to his disciples, right? That they are all, um, they are all brothers. And then we, we see this also in Matthew 28, verse 10, you know, where Jesus is telling the women, um, the resurrected Jesus, he tells the women to tell his brothers to meet him in Galilee. I'm just going to read that one too. So they came and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. These are the those that Jesus met at the tomb. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brothers to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. And, and it's these brothers who are, um, who are addressed at the, um, the very end of the gospel in verse 18, when Jesus says to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. As you go, make disciples of all the nations. See, there's that term, the ethne, the, the nations. The same as what we, what we saw in Matthew 25. So all of us are called, who are followers of Jesus, to go out and to make disciples of the non-Jews, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, so Jesus' brothers are the disciples who are sent out to the nations and um, to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teach them to put into practice everything that Jesus has commanded. And that is the mandate that all of us have as disciples, is to teach people to put into practice everything that Jesus had commanded, you know, to make disciples. That's who we're to, what we're to do. And if we look at Jesus's first sending of the disciples in chapter 10 of Matthew, you know, here um, Jesus is sending them to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, and that's, that's, there's a contrast here between Matthew 10 and Matthew 28. Um, Matthew 28, Jesus is sending the disciples to the nations. And here it's to the lost sheep. But we see this missionary you know, sort of the methodology that Jesus sends them out. He tells them, um, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts. So they're to go out um, giving everything for free. Freely they receive, freely they give. They're not to take any money with them. So they're to go out, were to go out in vulnerability. And, um, you know, no money. 
not, uh, were not to bring a bag for their journey or even two coats or sandals or staff, for the worker is worthy of his or her support. So the disciples are sent out and not um, told to start a gathering place, you know, like a faith community, a church where people would come to them, rather they're to go to the people. And they're to go out um, not with a bunch of resources to give to those that are in need. Um, not that that's a bad thing to do, but the, the missionary approach that Jesus um, uses here, the multiplying, um, the way that he multiplies workers is to actually send them out um, into the world everywhere as, um, as humble guests who, who don't need money, who are actually required to not bring money. So nothing should stop us. Like we don't need to have personal support raised. We don't need to have um, in fact, we're, we're called to not to go out and to depend upon the, the people that would receive us. Um, Jesus goes on, in whatever city or village you enter, inquire who's worthy in it and stay at the house until you leave that city. So we're to receive hospitality. And as you enter the house, give it your greeting. And if the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. If it's not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words, as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. So here Jesus is, is really talking in a way that is similar to Matthew 25, isn't he? He's saying that those that do not receive these humble, vulnerable missionaries who are dependent and who have no money and who are dependent upon their hosts for food, for lodging, for everything, um, if, if uh, these people are not received if we're not received by um you know by those that we're going to and here this is talking about god's people right the the lost sheep of the house of israel so you know the maybe people on the margins of god's god's chosen people who um in the case of matthew 10 would be the jewish people but in our case might be you know people from from the body of christ those that do not receive were to shake the dust um, off the feet of from those households and in communities. Truly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So here we're talking about judgment in a way that is similar to Matthew 25. And it's a serious thing when people who we are sent to carry the good news to do not receive you know, us as embodiments of you know, of, of the of the presence of you know of God, of God as God's messengers, and Jesus goes on and describes how difficult it is for the the emissaries. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, but beware of people, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles, the nations, right? So their testimony, their test, they, they give testimony to the nations because they're being incarcerated by the, by the you know, by the non-Jews. And, um, but when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father, right? Because they're brothers and they're sisters of Jesus. They're sons and daughters of the father. It, it, it's the spirit of your father who speaks in you. 
And uh, I just love this. It's, um, it's really Jesus is deputizing his disciples and sending them out as, as part of his family, as his brothers, isn't he? And Jesus sends us out in the same way. Disciples of Jesus are here called by Jesus, brothers, sisters, mother. Brother will betray brother to death. And um, I think we're talking here about even insiders in the body of Christ. Brothers, um, you know, sisters will betray, will betray one another and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. So, see, this is describing not uh, more than conquerors, victorious, you know, sort of group of people that have the resources and that are so highly trained. And although training certainly is, is really good and they were trained because they were followers of Jesus and we want to be too. But here they're, they're described as in a precarious situation, you know, where they would might find themselves imprisoned or naked or thirsty, hungry because they're being persecuted. And I think this is something that many of us, you know, we, we don't know. Maybe we, maybe we are experiencing some level of persecution, but around the world, carriers of the gospel are being persecuted and, and they are way closer to this kind of status than, uh, than maybe we are. And I think we should take this as, as an invitation to step up to the plate, to, you know, to be, to prepare ourselves, to be willing to, you know, to, to suffer, um, I guess, you know, what Jesus himself suffered. And remember how, you know, how Peter reacted to Jesus when he, when, when Jesus announced that he would be, you know, he would be arrested and he would be, um, you know, he'd go to the cross, you know, um, Peter rebuked him and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You know, if, if Jesus himself, if his end was, you know, was uh, arrest and the cross and he says that we ourselves, you know, we can expect the same thing. Um, in verse 23 of Matthew 10, but whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. Okay. So, um, This, I think this really sets, when we read Matthew 25 in the light of Matthew 10, it, um, I think it opens, it's opened my eyes to a whole other way of thinking. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel till the Son of Man comes. Then Jesus keeps going. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he or she become like her, his teacher, and the slave like her, his master. So if they call the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign the members of his household? So see, um, in Matthew 25, Jesus is describing um, this reality that there will be people that will not malign the carriers of the good news, that will welcome them into their homes, that will feed them, that will clothe them, that will visit them in prison, that will uh, visit them when they're sick, that will offer support for them because... Um, we are dependent upon the, those that host us and we will suffer when the, when people do not host us and the judgment that is coming is the judgment against those who, who do not welcome the emissaries jesus goes on do not fear them for there's nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known 
you know, he goes on and on in this text. Um, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before people, I will also confess him, her before my Father who's in heaven. Um, But whoever denies me before people, I will also deny him or her before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And um, and Jesus goes on and on, um, you know, describing how um, the one who does not take up his cross, her cross, and follow after him is not worthy of him. The one who has found his life will lose it, and the one who's lost his life for my sake will find it. So following Jesus looks like being willing to lose our life, being willing to place ourselves in that vulnerable place of being dependent and of being obedient to going out and uh, being received or possibly rejected too. And here is a key text that helps us further understand Matthew 25 as talking about receiving or not receiving the emissaries, Jesus's disciples. The one who receives you receives me. And the one who receives me receives the one who sent me. Okay, so there we have that identification where Jesus says, um, you know, those in Matthew 25 say, well, you know, when did we see you hungry? And when did we see you thirsty? And when did we see you in prison? And he says, to, 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 insofar that you did it to, to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me, right? The one who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person in the name of a righteous person shall receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever, in the name of a disciple, gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, that one shall not lose his reward. So there it is, a drink of cold water to one of these little ones. Um, in the name of a disciple, that one will not receive his reward. So there we have a direct link to Matthew 25, don't we? And... Um, there's another scripture that often I think is possibly misread, you know, um, along the lines of the way Matthew 25 is misread. It's Matthew 18, you know, where Jesus, um, he brings a child, you know, the disciples are, are wondering who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he called a child to himself, set him before them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you are converted, unless you're turned around, and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then um, Jesus says, whoever then humbles himself as this child, that one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name, receives me. So does that mean that every time we receive a child, just like any time, at least according to the logic of the traditional way of reading Matthew 25, every time we welcome a foreigner, or we visit someone in prison, or we visit someone in the hospital, or give a drink to someone who's thirsty, or food to the hungry, or clothe the naked. We're just doing it automatically to Jesus, because Jesus is equated with the poor and the marginalized, and here the children. I I don't think that that's what this is saying. I think it's pretty clear here. Whoever receives one such a child in my name, okay, this is um, in the name, inside the name of Jesus, this is a child that is associated, um, one such child too, 
is referring directly to the one who um, humbles herself, himself as this child. So it's talking about us in our giving up of power, giving up of privilege, following the way of Jesus that's outlined by Paul in, my, in Philippians 2, of emptying ourselves and becoming obedient and becoming a servant. It's, it's in that, um, it's that posture of humbling ourselves and becoming like a child that, um, and, and when we're received in, um, you know, um, people that receive that, that type of missionary who has uh, humbled himself, herself, that, that's receiving Jesus. So, um, how do we, what does this mean for us? Um, you know, many of us, we have launched out and we've tried to to be obedient in this way. We've gone out on the streets. We've brought the good news into um, different places and and some have received us and um, and they've welcomed us and we've been able to share and have deep fellowship and see um, healing and an openness to receiving Jesus. We've, we've, we've been welcomed. When you're a carrier of the good news into into a place where um, you know where you're you're open to to being a witness to bearing witness, and when when you're received, wow, what a powerful experience to be able to have someone embrace you as a carrier of that message. In contrast, when you're rejected, you know when you're carrying a word to a, the church or a word to um, you know to an individual. And, and you're shunned and you're, and you're, you're refused. I mean, that's so painful. And of course, there's lots of reasons people might refuse to, to hear us as carriers of the gospel, their own bad experiences with, with Christians in the past, um, their own prejudices based on bad experiences. You know, we need to be compassionate and not assume that these people are under judgment because they don't receive us you know, we need to be persistent in the way that we bear witness and we need to deliberately address the prejudices and try to undermine those prejudices by coming in humility and childlike way and coming low and slow as Heidi Baker describes it. And, you know, really, um, you know, really coming in meekness. Um, but, you know, being rejected and being refused and when we carry a message, maybe a difficult message, um, and um, a prophetic word to the church, a challenge. You know, um, you know, we've we've experienced that when we've spoke out against Christian nationalism in some settings. We've been, you know, uh, our our speaking has been canceled. You know, I remember a time when I was um, addressing a faith community, inviting them to break their ties with the American flag and to um, and to just cut the soul tie, the spirit tie with, you know, with nation. And I had a pastor just come straight up while I was preaching and just put his hand out and say, stop. And he just completely stopped me and then canceled all the rest of my speaking. And um, that's very painful. And I think Matthew 25 is really talking about um, the danger of, um, of, of refusing someone who is carrying the word God into your community or to you. And um, in contrast, um, you know, we're to, to welcome the carriers of the message. And I think of a few examples of times when I have, I think I've 
like inadvertently. I mean, um, I wasn't thinking about Matthew 25 when I did this, but a um, number of years back, we were at a, a, a kind of a point in our lives where we had been doing a lot of training in um, in the UK and in um, across Canada and different places in more in Western North American settings. And I remember just saying, you know, Jesus, like our original calling was to go to Honduras to work with the poor and the marginalized and then also to work with prisoners and immigrants here in Washington State. And here I am, you know, here we are, we're doing all this training among people who have, you know, more opportunities. And Jesus, I just want to surrender myself to the original call. And if you want to send us anywhere else, you know, here we are, you know, send us. And um, almost right away, I got this call from this man named Richard Malatino. He um, had met our son Isaac in the School of Mission at, in Pemba at Iris Ministries, Heidi Baker and Heidi Rowland's school in Mozambique. And he was this humble um, leader of a faith network in, in Zimbabwe who had run into one of my books and had asked um, Isaac, our son, for you know, to, for some contact, our contact information. So he asked if he could speak to us, um, you know, over Zoom or over uh, WhatsApp or something. And I remember, you know, just thinking, yeah, I think I'm really supposed to, to meet this guy because our son is recommending him and trying to make this happen. And, um, and it fit too with even my prayer, you know, Jesus, if there's somewhere else you'd like us to go, here we are, send us. So we connected with uh, Richard and he invited us to Zimbabwe and to uh, offer this training in Zimbabwe. And um, around the very same time, I received emails from um, two different leaders in Kenya. You know, a man named um, James Changu and another one, another guy named Nicholas. And, um, and then another man from Tanzania named Vincent. And these were emails that just came out of the blue it said, "Hey, I've been I've been looking at we've been we've we've found your website. We see that you do training of leaders. I have a group of network of faith leaders here in Kenya, or the other you know Vincent in Tanzania. We'd like to welcome you to come and to offer these trainings." And I, Gracie and I, we just felt like we were supposed to say yes, 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 yes. So we um, we we went to South Africa on this to meet with this gathering of people. And then um, on the back of that, we went to Zimbabwe, where we had those different leaders from Kenya and Tanzania join us. And uh, Richard hosted us. And that led to so many, so many, um, you know, visits to these different African countries. It's like this doorway opened up where we um, were able to train and we've trained hundreds of, of people. Um, so in our uh, welcoming of, of Richard, someone we didn't know um, at all, who is a humble African leader, and then our welcoming of, of Vincent and, um, and of James and, and Nicholas, um, you know, that, that's opened up a whole doorway where we have been so, so, so blessed by their hospitality. And, um, and we've received, you know, just so much from the body of Christ in these African places. And we've been able to pass on things that we've learned as well. So I believe Jesus is calling us to, to be missionaries ourselves in this humble way. And, but also, um, 
you know, so that we would be in a place where we, uh, you know, we could be welcomed or rejected and, um, and to put ourselves in that vulnerable place, you know, wherever we are, you know, um, and also we need to pay attention and have our eyes open and our ears attuned to uh, the opportunities that come our way to be able to welcome um, carriers of the gospel who, who are maybe like children and um, who are humble, who, who, um, who come in weakness, who, uh, who perhaps are, are maligned and persecuted and who are also in need financially and in need of hospitality. And, um, and who are these people? You know, um, let may we have eyes to eyes that are open and ears that are open and to, and to pay attention to carriers of the message that, um, that come our way. And may we be, um, be open to being sent as vulnerable carriers, childlike, uh, humble carriers who are willing to, you know, face the difficulty of being sheep in the midst of wolves. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to have that paradigm shift and even that shift in our whole way of, um, of just being and of carrying your good news. Forgive us for, you know, thinking that it's all about having enough resources, having enough knowledge, having, um, having and hosting. Um, not that hosting is, is a bad thing. We want to be about gathering and together with people and worship and for Bible study and all that we do as faith communities, but help us to, uh, to have a shift in our thinking and to, and to be willing to go out and to be hosted by other people and to go out in faith the way that you sent out the 12 to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, freely um, giving and, um, and also, you know, being vulnerable to not being received. Help us to, um, you know, to go out and to uh, increase our faith, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.